as the 2024 election heats up, there's talk about Republicans needing to ballot harvest and use mail-in ballots to defeat leftist candidates. But is that the answer? Jay Valentine says there's no way to outfraud the opponent, but there is a way to flag the illegal votes and clean up the voter rolls. And then a report shows that the Department of Justice has spent more than $9 million investigating Donald Trump and less than $1.2 million on Biden. And the press secretary says it's incredibly irresponsible to question about crack cocaine found in the White House. And Ben and Jerry's goes off the rails on America's independence. Dr. Stephanie Coxon and Patricia Antone on all the insanity that is. Viewpoint this Sunday is next. the bias, the lies and deceit, and bring forth real talk from real people about real news, providing the out loud truth and capturing the essence of a new generation all in a fast paced hour. This is Viewpoint This Sunday. Welcome to the weekend news magazine, Viewpoint This Sunday. It is Malcolm out loud here. Uh, one of the big uh, points and topics we've been on, uh, friends, in past weeks and months has been election integrity, to be sure. Uh, because without fair elections, uh, what do we have left? And we're, we're experiencing the uh, pain of that right now, in fact, in our nation. It's been a lot of talk. And Pat, last week you heard um, Sidney Powell suggest that we've got to get back to hand-counted paper ballots is the way forward. She's been on that uh, pretty steadily now. You also seen uh, former President Donald Trump come out in the past weeks and suggest as well, we need hand counted paper ballots, that that is the way forward. There's also been a lot of talk that the right isn't playing like the left is and that, uh, well, if they're going to ballot harvest and mail in ballots and, you know, that was all the COVID rules that changed everything, then, well, the right has to do it as well. And don't know how you feel about that out there, but it is uh Something we're going to talk about today with a gentleman who's been at the uh, forefront of some of this. I like what I see so far with this. And let me introduce you right now to Jay Valentine joins me on the program. Uh, Jay has a a vast background experience in all of this and actually has um, part of a company called Fractal Web App. Uh, we'll get more into all of this, but he's got a uh, extensive background in some of this. Jay, welcome to the broadcast. I'm pleased to have you here on Viewpoint this Sunday, sir. Well, good morning. How are you today? Doing great. It is a beautiful day in the neighborhood, as they say. Huh? All right. Let me just tell you, get right to it here. Um, uh, let's start with, your. I'd like to know your personal feelings on hand-counted paper ballots, Jay. Uh, is that a, do you feel that's a, that's a, a way forward? Well, it's certainly something that the country needs to do, but it politically is never going to happen. So it's just uh, a unicorn concept that that we're never going to get to. But but yet we but, you know, national figures keep talking about it as a way forward, like we really got to get back there. But it, to a lot of people, it is like going back to the past. And and they also can't manipulate the system as they're clearly doing. And we've seen all that happen throughout COVID. Let me ask you this. In your opinion, Jay, 
I'm guessing election fraud has been a thing for a long time in our country. It's probably not as new as some people think it is. Now, COVID changed a lot of the rules and allowed it to happen in the light of day. But election fraud has been something our country has been wrestling with a long time. Do you agree with that statement? And and, and talk about that a moment to start here. Well, we run data for over a dozen states. We run the election rolls for over a dozen states. So we have a real view of this. This is not something that's simply an opinion. And one of the things that we can see in the data that's very clear is that there's always been election fraud, and we everyone knows the stories about that. But election fraud exploded as an industry, as an industrial scale election fraud starting around 2008. And then when we got north of 2016, after the first Trump win, and we got to 2020, we now have multifaceted industrial scale election fraud. It is run by governments in the states. So state election commissions in many cases are in on it. They're actually perpetrating it. It is done with the active work of the United States Postal Service and government agencies. And the amount of fraud in every state we have looked in, which is every single one of the swing states, which chooses the president, is more than enough to turn an election to a favored candidate. Yeah. All right. So based on what you say right there, if I asked you straight out the question you you might ask at the end of our conversation, I'll ask it at the beginning here. Based on everything you know and what you've looked at, your experience, I, I'm just I'm just asking straight out, in your opinion, is the wrong president in the White House? The according to what the data shows, mm-hmm. I want to be precise in what we tell you. So according to what the data shows, in every one of the swing states that put Joe Biden in the White House, there was so overwhelming an amount of egregious fraud in the system that there is no way anybody can legitimately say that Joe Biden was properly elected as president. Wow. Okay. All right. Well, I and that's why I want to ask you that right out. And thank you for your straight answer on that uh, on that question. You say, and you're you're on the record of saying that these comments about uh, ballot harvest and mail-in ballots, and again, Donald Trump has come out in recent weeks here, Justin said we need to be doing that on the right. I want to ask you right off if you agree with that statement because you say we cannot out ballot harvest the left. Explain what you mean by that, please. Well, ballot harvesting has two parts. The first part of ballot harvesting is the easy part that everybody understands, and that is, oh, let's go get people who have a propensity to vote for us, go pick up their ballot and save them a trip down to the post office. Well, that sounds great. But there's a second part of ballot harvesting, and that's the part Republicans don't understand, and that's ballot manufacturing. So what the Republicans are talking about preposterous as this actually sounds, is that the Republicans are going to go to highly Republican areas like evangelical churches, and they're going to get people who are going to vote anyway, and they're going to get them to vote early, and they're going to pick up their ballot and deliver it to a central location. Who cares? That doesn't change anything, Hmm. because what the leftists are doing, and these leftists are doing it at scale, and we're seeing it in the data in every major swing state, The leftists have a ballot manufacturing process. 
So they will go out and they will register people at homeless shelters. They know these people are never going to vote. These people aren't even going to be there three weeks later. They're going to be living in a tent in another city, but they're going to vote those people. The leftists have in many states real-time access to the voter roll. So they know who voted and who didn't vote. Now, this is illegal, but they have this access, which means that they're going to take someone who hasn't voted at the last minute. They know this person didn't vote. They know this person has a 10-year history of hardly ever voting. And when they need that vote, they're going to cast it in favor of that person. And then they're going to back it up with a ballot that they're going to have filled out. And they're going to drive in at 11 o'clock at night in a white truck into Detroit and drop those ballots off that are going to line up to the ones that they made vote in the electric voting machines. So what we're seeing is that the Republicans are saying, oh, yes, let's go ballot harvest. And that's ridiculous because the Republicans aren't participating in the illegal part. And certainly they should not be doing the illegal part. But unless they stop this illegal ballot manufacturing by padding the voter rolls and allowing election commissions to jack with the voter rolls during elections, the Republicans are doomed in 2024. Mm. Wow. Wow. You know, Jay, that is a perfect explanation, what you say right there, the ballot manufacturing and uh, how you lay it out. It seems like the uh, the right, the Republicans, they seem to live in a fairy tale land a lot. And a lot of these arguments and discussions we have, you just said the same, th- the right thing. I said, well, it's not that you can, you know, get into the gutter and do it illegally. You've got to stop that from being happening to begin with. You know, it's the same sort of thing, Jay, that Sydney said last weekend here on the broadcast. She said, listen, I'm not advocating that we do things illegally. Same, almost verbatim, same thing that you just said. But she's thinking the hand ballots are the way to go uh, back to that, which you said is not going to happen. So a couple things here. What is the answer moving forward, number one? But number two, in some of the investigation I've looked at from you, you call out the United States Post Office as being in on this. Now, we know the red state, blue state, things are happening at the state level here. We've seen what happened in Pennsylvania, Arizona, Georgia last time. You're right. So pick it up from there and fill us in on um, what that path forward is. What's your recommending? Well, the first thing on the post office is not our opinion that the United States Post Office has an active program to take ballots that have been returned to the post office and to give them to leftist organizations so they can vote them. That's not a matter of an opinion. We have evidence from postal workers who have contacted us. And in one of the articles, I actually even quoted the story the person told us. We have multiple stories like that. So we know that to be the case. In terms of what can be done, there are two major buckets of election fraud today. The first bucket is election commissions going into the voter rolls during early voting modifying the voter rolls to favor a certain candidate. So when we did the analysis for the Carrie Lake campaign after her loss, we were able to demonstrate looking at the official voter rolls in one of the counties or two of the counties in Arizona, we were able to demonstrate black and white that the voter commission had gone in and changed 30,000 zip codes the week that mail-in ballots went out. So those people never got their ballot. 
Somebody did, but they now didn't. Now, why did they do that, Jay? Why do you think they did it? Well, they did it so they wouldn't get their ballot and their ballot would accumulate somewhere yeah. at a postal service or some other location. So these people had a ballot inventory. This is part of the ballot manufacturing process. Mm-hmm. This is one of many examples. We could give you 20 of these. So one of the two buckets is the bucket of voter commissions jacking with voter rolls to favor a certain candidate. The second bucket is the one we talked about before of phantom voters. They build these phantom voters. Now, it could be a fake voter living at a real address. It could be a real voter living at a fake address. So in Florida, we found real voters on a street that didn't exist. So they had taken real voters. They had put them on a street that doesn't exist so that those ballots would accumulate somewhere. This is going on everywhere. So the question that you asked is, how do we stop it? Well, you're not going to stop it all. The goal is not to stop all of this for 2024. That's beyond our reach. If we can stop 30 to 40 percent of it, we can dramatically impact the election in favor of the good guys. And the way you do that is what our thesis is, is real time compute. So we have shown and we have demonstrated that if you take real-time compute and you look at the voter rolls in these voter commissions and you download them every day or every few days and you compare them, you're going to find these anomalies inserted by voter commissions before the election, weeks before the election. If you build something, which we have built and, and we recommend everybody does this, build an undeliverable ballot database. So we have taken the property tax rolls for the counties. And we've compared them with the voter rolls. And guess what? They look like they're from two different planets. Wow. So now what we have is we have a database and the database says this address cannot receive any mail at all. It's a vacant lot. And yet it's getting 20 ballots. This address can receive mail, but it can't receive a ballot because it's a bank and you can't vote from a bank. And yet it's getting 100 ballots. This address can receive mail and ballots, but these 15 people cannot get ballots because they haven't put their apartment numbers on. Therefore, their ballots are going to collect. And it goes on and on and on. So what we can do and what we're doing in the swing states is we're building the undeliverable ballot database using very advanced artificial intelligence and quantum computer technology, which is what fractal programming is. So we're doing that so that what we're able to do is cross-search these with the Federal Election Commission roles and with the PPP roles and other public databases. And we're showing that these people either don't exist or the address doesn't exist or the combination doesn't exist. So then the voter people can go to the voter commission and say, hey, this is a list of 30,000 people in this Mm -hmm. county who if they get a ballot, it's not going to get to a legitimate voter. And if you send ballots to these people, we're going to take legal action. And all of this can be done months before the election. And that's what we're doing and spending our time doing now. Well, that's brilliant. That is absolutely brilliant. So you're calling them out before it happens. You know, this was sort of the same argument years back, as I remember, uh, with uh, people voting from the cemetery. This was always a thing. People talk about how can all these dead people vote? What it sounds like is they've taken that and put it on steroids now, Jay. Well, certainly it's organized. It's organized industrial fraud. Now, remember, we didn't just wake up one morning and step out of the closet and say, let's go do this. We're the guys who built the eBay fraud engine. So when eBay was getting killed with auction fraud, 
They couldn't solve that with neural nets. They couldn't solve that with relational database technology. The government couldn't solve that. We built the technology that ended online auction fraud. Not long thereafter, that same technology was used to build the TSA no-fly list. Virtually every major insurance company in the United States at one time used our technology to stop auto fraud rings. We ran the largest Medicaid fraud ring bust in the history of the United States. So we know how to do this stuff. And we got called into this because a well-known political personality, Sheriff David Clark in Milwaukee, right after the Trump-Biden election, called us up and said, hey, guys, well, you took the voter rolls in Wisconsin. And we did. And we called him back after three days and said, you know, you're pulling our leg. And he said, well, what do you mean? And I said, you salted the data because you don't think we can find anything. And he goes, I'm telling you, that's the official data. Well, it was unbelievable. I mean, you had people who had their ballots were sent before they were received. You had people living in laundromats and you had people living in banks. It was preposterous what we found. And this is an official voter roll. Yeah. So ultimately, we ended up doing 15 states you know, on a volunteer basis. I mean, I paid for most of that myself and we did 15 states and we found it in every state. You compare the property rolls to the voter rolls in a state, you would think they came from different states. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's uh, that's eye-opening what you say there with that. You've said a couple of times now, that, and it's brilliant, the fact that you're comparing one to the other. Now that proof is what you're hoping to push back on and call these people out you know, let me, I want to talk a little bit more about this Kerry Lake thing a moment here, because this is, I'm guessing, Jay, if this, you know, Kerry Lake has been called out anytime, even when you come with the proof, the left still calls your names and they call you out and say, you're out of your mind. The election fraud's not happening. We hear that consistently. And that's how they make a mockery out of the whole system. And they've been doing it right along. And the case of Kerry Lake, and that's a classic case. Uh, she's been called out as a Fruit Loop and uh, claiming all the selection fraud business. You have raw numbers I'm seeing in, in your copy here. I've seen them. Um, and I'd like you to speak about that. Let's circle back a minute because you're talking about 33,000 voters. You're saying one county alone in Arizona had zip codes changed the week the mail-in ballots went out and, and, they, and then they were changed back. How does that happen today? I mean, and Carrie knows all this, right? Well, I'm sure she read the article, but how does it happen today? It happens with the active involvement of voter commissions, either at the county or at the state level in many, many states. Certainly all of the swing states are doing this. And so we the data doesn't lie. The question is really, why hasn't anybody seen this before? Well, the reason is people will look at the voter rolls at the beginning of the period. So let's say two months before the election, and they'll look at the voter rolls two months after the election. And generally, they're they're identical. They're pretty much the same. So what voter commissions know is if they go in and they change voter rolls and they take people who are inactive voters, for instance, and they make them active and then they vote them and then they make them inactive again. Well, at the beginning of the time series and at the end of the time series, they're inactive, but in the middle, they're active. Well, we find that. And so what's happening now is voter commissions know that because of the latency of most technologies, they know that if they change voter rolls in the middle of a sequence and then change them back, it's essentially invisible. Wow. 
how organized do we have any idea throughout the country i mean a lot of people have trouble rationalizing this sort of thing is there is there a guy in a smoky filled room somewhere pulling levers i mean how organized is this do we have any clue of this how far reaching and organized this is in uh the in our states we can tell certain amounts of organizational work in individual states from the data understand the work we do is not looking at fraud rings and how fraud rings operate and who they communicate with. That's not what our work is. Our work is looking at voter rolls and doing voter roll comparison. What we can say is we can talk about the size and the scope. Our claim, which we can prove in the data, is that every one of the swing states, and actually in every state we've been involved in, 15 states, in every one of those states, between 5% and 15% of the current voter roll is phantom. That means either the person doesn't exist, the address doesn't exist, the combination doesn't exist, or one of those is not who they say they are, 5% to 15%. So is it organized on a national level? The data doesn't talk about that. The data does, however, show that it is organized, highly organized within individual states. It is highly organized in the data. It demonstrates very clearly that election commissions in an organized fashion go in beginning about five to six weeks before an election. And they, together with leftist groups, will start really loading up on phantom voters. Those people will grow in the voter rolls. That's going to happen in Harris County in Houston. So six weeks before the 2024 election in Harris County in Houston, those voter rolls are going to surge with 240 to 400,000 new voters. Wow. Wow. 66% of whom will be gone 90 days after the election. They will be wow. off the voter rolls. Wow. So is it organized? It is organized within a state level. The data supports that how states work together is beyond the scope of our data. Yeah. Wow. Uh, all right. So right now, what can people do? People hear this, Jay, they listen to what we're talking about. It is, it is surreal. I mean, people can't put their, it's hard to rationalize this stuff because it's so out there. And the thing is, the other thing I always think about is why is how is the left so much more when it comes to these? They're so much more. Well, they're devious for sure, but they outsmart the right consistently with these things. And again, as I started talking to you today, they're never fighting the real argument on things. It's always uh, which we've already discussed and revealed here. They're not fighting the right argument, which you're pointing out is going to be the problem. And it's going to be the problem coming into 2024 and thereafter. So when people on the road, sometimes you hear these statements where they say, well, we'll never win another election again if this, this and this happened. I hear that a fair amount. And it sounds crazy. But you say there's I think from what you're explaining here, there's a lot of truth to that. If we don't get into action, what can people do? What do they need to do, please? One of the things that's happening right now is that the concept of voter integrity teams has morphed. A year ago, we had voter integrity teams, which were all these little teams running around using Excel spreadsheets and trying to find dead people who were, were still voting. Things have really morphed now where state legislatures are demanding that their voter rolls be audited. Right now, we are working with two state legislatures that have brought us in and said, we want you to take a look at our voter rolls, compare them with our personal property tax rolls, 
and actually in one state compare them with our Medicaid roles because they're also looking for Medicaid fraud. And so what citizens should do is they should demand that their state do an audit of their voter roll. And that audit should, at a minimum, compare the voter roll with the property tax records. At a minimum, compare them with the FEC, Federal Election Commission records, to find contribution mules. Those guys making like 10,000 donations in 30 days. They're everywhere. I mean, we're finding them in every state. They compare those voter rolls with, uh, for instance, Medicaid rolls or other rolls. Now, states should be able to do this. And we're doing it. We're going to be doing it in two states. We're doing it in one state right now. We're going to do it in another state in about another two weeks. And when we do it, we, we, we show the legislature, look, these are your voter rolls and your voter rolls and your property tax rolls don't even come close to reconciling. You have people voting from vacant lots and banks and insurance companies, all of whom are illegal. And you're, and it's not us saying it, it's your property tax <laughs> saying it. That is very powerful when you can show, when you can show that one government database is calling the other government database a liar. Right, right. Is there time to change this trajectory between now and 2024? There sure is. And the way to do it is the undeliverable ballot database. And we're involved right now with a a number of states, a large number of funding organizations who have come to us and said, we want to see this in every one of the swing states. And according to them, there are 10 or 12 swing states, not the six that, that we've targeted. And so we're we're working with some groups now, yes, to build the undeliverable ballot database and have it in full production mm-hmm. in the next you know next few months, so that we'll have uh, that thing ready to go a year before the election. Wow, Jay, you're just is just amazing, just really a, just such a revealing conversation. I have to tell you, man, the website you have here for uh, for for voters for Americans can go to is what is that the Omega for America dot com. Right. So our microsite to explain what we're doing in the election space is Omega, the number four, Omega4America.com. And that's where we explain how fractal technology is working with state legislatures to help clean voter rolls. Right. Okay, folks, check that out, please. Um, Jay, thank you for everything, all of this information and revealing what is makes sense. I mean, when you look at it, but uh it is uh, th- this. I mean, this really is compromising um, everything our nation stands for. You know, we just crossed the uh, 247 year mark, of course, um, with our Independence Day, Jay, uh, three years away from our semi quincentennial, which I remind listeners all the time. Uh, and uh, really, the, the nation, the republic hangs in the balance of whether we're going to be here another uh, two and a half years, let alone, uh, you know, 250 years. Um, Final thought? Well, we're just very optimistic because we're now seeing legislatures start to take action, albeit very slowly. And the Republican Party is completely useless in this endeavor, and they're not going to do anything. But we can tell you right now that at least one of the presidential campaigns is probably going to take action. Uh, A bunch of state legislatures are going to take action. So we're fairly optimistic that there's going to be, we're going to be closing a lot of these loopholes and impacting fraud in 2024. Okay. And and just, I got to ask you real fast, last point here. Why is the Republican Party so inept? Why do they have their head up their ass? The Republican 
party, I think, uh, brings on people for state chairman and for national committee people who are genetically predisposed to non-confrontational lifestyles. <laughs> so they just don't want to do anything that is confrontational. They don't want to fight. They want to go to meetings. They want to, you know, sit around, play golf and go to really expensive places. They're not street fighters. The Democrats and the leftists are street fighters. But what's happening right now in the Republican Party with the MAGA movement, the MAGA guys are street fighters. And they're they're taking this thing out there into the states. And we're getting a lot of support from those people. And they're messing up some serious hair of the leftists, which is, is really fun to watch. Oh, I love that comment. That was worth the price of admission, leaving that on the mega fighters or or street uh, players, street fighters. And well, this is because this is what you call constitutional Americans. These are the ancestors of the framers and the founders, what our country stands for. So, yeah, that makes perfect sense. They are fighters, which is why the left always refers to them, Jay, as MAGA, because they know damn well that uh, Americans are not going to settle for this. So appreciate you even saying that you have a sense of optimism based on this. You're doing some incredible work. Thank you, Jay Valentine. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Well, for the seven years' existence, AmericaOutloud.com, the website, is making a big change uh, to go with our our, uh, efforts and our point to get the the information and the news out to the American people. Uh, We'll now be known as AmericaOutloud.news. Uh, is the site now you'll be using uh, to be able to come to get all the articles, all the podcasts, and all the information. Now, the .com will still go there. It still works. It just redirects. But will now be known as AmericaOutloud.news. Big announcement there. We've been planning on that for some time. Uh, Please help us get the word out there in the uh, changeover, friends. Now, listen, we're going to continue on with a whole lot more stories as Viewpoint this Sunday rolls on. The America Out Loud talk radio app is on Android or Apple. It's the perfect way to listen in to the new generation of talk shows and hosts who are ready to inform and inspire. Millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long haul effects of the toxic spike protein. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at the Wellness Company designed their spike support formula to counteract harmful spike protein from COVID-19 and vaccines so you can feel your best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Whether you're an independent, a Democrat, or a Republican, one thing remains true. Airborne viruses love us equally. You've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the advanced nasal solution, Cofix RX. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. Spray goodbye to colds and flus with a Cofix RX nasal solution cleanse. That's cofixrx.com. Save 20% by using promo code OUTLOUD at cofixrx.com. Trouble concentrating or recalling information is frustrating, embarrassing, and kills productivity. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created Focus and Recall to boost your brain power. And unlike other supplements that don't work, Focus and Recall is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients to help you immediately sharpen focus and strengthen recall. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order, risk-free. Love it or your money back, guaranteed. HealthyCell.com, code OUTLOUD. Out loud. AmericaOutloud.com 
If you can't find it here, you can't find it anywhere. We are the pulse and voice of everyday American thought, working hard to earn your trust for seven incredible years and counting. America Out Loud Talk Radio, the liberty and justice for all. Welcome back to Viewpoint this Sunday. This is Malcolm Out Loud here. Thank you, friends, as always, for joining me on the mission. Got to jump into a whole lot of stuff right now here, and I want to do it with Dr. Stephanie Coxon is here. Uh, Dr. Stephanie Coxon, I love having her on. I love both her and Patricia Antone is here, two of my favorites, actually. Uh, but uh, Stephanie's a mother of five, medical freedom activist. Uh, she is. She pushes back on, I guess, Stephanie, for you. You put justice where injustice is, or you fight the, the you put right where wrong is. You kind of do that across the spectrum on things, which is why I always enjoy talking to you with uh, the things you're involved in, a lot of the groups up there in Pennsylvania and uh, the pushback. You also focus on holistic medicine as your backdrop. Uh, thank you for joining us, Stephanie. Good to have you here. So excited to be here. Uh, and Patricia Antone, author, activist. Uh, she is a constitutional conservative, but she's another one that doesn't take no for an answer. Great writer, very articulate thinker. Uh, Patricia, welcome to the broadcast. Thank you so much. It's so great to be here with both of you. Yeah, well, I'm cool to have both of you here because you're both strong voices. I want to start right off here on a series of uh, very, very current stories. And this first one is the Department of Justice has spent more than $9 million investigating Trump and less than $1.2 million probing the Biden report. This was revealed from the New York Post. Uh, and this is a, this uh, spotlights uh, Special Counsel Jack Smith. Uh, in his investigations against uh, uh, former President Trump. And uh, again, how revealing this is, the Justice Department and all. Uh, it's When you start to look at these and you see the felony counts, what's happened now is they've thrown so much against Trump. There's like 37 felony counts, and there probably will be more by the time they get into action later this year in December. It's supposed to be here. Uh, I think part of this is because it's like the swamp versus Donald Trump. You know, when Donald Trump called out, Patricia, let me ask you first. When Donald Trump was said he was going after the swamp, I think the swamp was now responding back and they don't sort of like it. What about this injustice of the dollar spent and the corruptness of the DOJ? I mean, it's it's pretty exposed at this point. Uh, what do you well, think about it? Well, that? it is. Yeah. And, and I think that one of the one of the things that's really happening here is that the the corruption the the presentation of corruption used to be something that would be perceived mostly by partisan people mostly by people who really watched the news but the way this is being pushed now and in in the context of all this ideological stuff that is being promulgated not only by schools but by companies and and everything the cumulative effect of this is convincing people that that they can't just stay on the sidelines anymore you know same people want to want to just pursue their lives and guess what we're, we're being told that no you've got to pick a side here and the corruption of the doj mm-hmm. has has become so obvious that it's not deniable anymore right it is obvious and you're right it's hard to deny any of this for sure uh, it, it's like the country is in takeover mode of some sort. Uh, something has happened and people can feel it. There's a sense out there. 
Uh, Stephanie, do you get that same sense up in, uh, what, do, what do you get a sense when the circles you talk to and the people up there? I'm, I'm talking about specifically th this DOJ story of the investment of get Trump, get Trump, get Trump. It's always been about that. Uh, but uh, are people waking up? I think they are. I mean, here we have just a multitude of different issues being thrown at us from all angles, right? And when they're looking at this and when they've seen what has happened, when they want to take someone down, there's something that is not sitting right. And so I think this is drawing people closer to Trump once again. So I think things kind of died down, that whole Trump um, uh, hurrah going on across the country. I think some of that actually died down. But as they proceed, as they push, I think that people are rallying around him again because we don't want to see injustice. Too much of it is happening and it's impacting every single person's life at this point. And because of that, they have to rally around whoever they can. And here we have a champion who we saw did good things that are undeniable and and we know that he can turn things around. So why would we not to get behind Trump again? And I mm -hmm. think this is going to really... Um, come back uh, and kind of be that egg in their face. Does this end up being a, a Trump versus a Biden in the 24? Is that where it ends, do you think, um, Stephanie? No, I, I think this is um, government versus the people. I don't think this ends. And I think um, every single day, more and more people wake up. It's getting to a point where you can't deny it. And if you are denying it, you're probably, I mean, I hate to say it, you're probably on crack or something at this point if you're not seeing it. Well, and that, that would be, a, well, we better jump right to the crack story then. That's a great segue <laughs> uh, right now to talk about the crack story. And that is, all right, so here you go here. Uh, you got to say it this way. Karine jean Pierre. Uh, the uh, press secretary, man, she is so in over her head. It's unbelievable. So she calls the reporters out for being irresponsible. Uh, what a word, uh, Friday, for the uh, questions about the crack cocaine. You can't make this stuff up anymore. I mean, this is National Enquirer, a star magazine on steroids now. You just can't make this stuff up anymore. I mean, it, it, the most photographed crack addict in the world is Hunter Biden, the son of the president. You just and now they've got crack and, and they want to know why people are foaming at the mouth and talking about this stuff when he's at state dinners and all over the White House and everything else. Uh, what do you make of it, Patricia? This uh, her, well, first of all, her saying uh, oh, she says the Biden family wasn't here for a couple of days or whatever. But this story is so out there. Well, that's it, it's completely absurd. And the thing is, people have already formed the idea that I mean, we've already <laughs> learned that he's a crack addict. Right. So if, if cocaine is found in the White House for us not to go immediately there is just not reasonable. The other thing is, though, it's actually helping. It's actually helping. You've often heard people say, just wait till the people who just wanted to be left alone get involved. And now those people are are open and awake and going, holy buckets. You know, I really wanted to just focus on my kids' soccer game, and you're not letting me do that. You guys are not letting me do that. Those people becoming aware of this. I think VDH, uh, Victor Davis, Han uh, Davis Hanson had it right when he, he said – these scandals are going to delegitimize government itself. Yeah. And so, when that happens, they're going to be in for more than they bargained for. 
Maybe that's the best antidote back to what uh, what uh, Stephanie was saying moments ago, big government, government versus the people, uh, surely yes. a revolutionary moment. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty wild. Yeah, well, well, it is. And and that's and that yeah. is the the uh, the tipping point when you get those people yeah. involved. So all this ideology and stuff, uh, I think it actually helps because if if soccer mom can't even go to the store and buy things for her family without getting this stuff up in her face, that she can no longer be on the sidelines. Well, all right. So, Stephanie, the, the question was posed from a reporter. Can you say once and for all whether or not the cocaine belonged to the Biden family? And she comes back. Uh, Karine Jean says, you know, there has been some irresponsible reporting about the family. <laughs> she says, what does she expect? The son is photographed all over. He, they actually have pictures of Hunter Biden on other planets, uh, Stephanie, talking about him by chance. <laughs> you know, when um, her when the Daily Star has more more credibility than her or CNN, we're, we're in serious trouble. We're not stupid. You know, we are not stupid. Um, I, ha, she's in a tough position and, um, I don't know how you handle stories like that. And I don't know how her moral compass is able to handle that sort of thing, to be quite honest. Um, do you think it's Hunter's crack? First of all, do you think, or hold on, or, or let me, let me just say, or ask you, or do you think maybe, the fact that the president, they have him standing up and people know and pushing him out to the to the teleprompter. Maybe the president himself is on crack. What do you think? Well, I, I tell you what, it could be talc powder that he gets from his diarrhea when he's out and about. But <laughs> the fact of the matter is we we have evidence that, you know, cocaine is being used. And what else can you do? You know, it's there's an assumption there. I think it's a very legitimate assumption. Do other people do it? Absolutely. But here you have the Biden family and um, we, there's already evidence floating around. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why. And well, then she, the, Go ahead. I think the point is, it doesn't matter. It, I mean, it truly wow. doesn't matter. We're not we're not in a court of law here. And it really doesn't matter. <laughs> what does matter is that they've undermined the legitimacy of the office. I just can't yeah. believe this. And you know what? And you make a good point. It really doesn't matter. It, in my view, this is probably covering up something bigger that they don't want us to know about. And we're just not quite seeing it yet. Or maybe we are. And we're just, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, distraction politics. That, this is kind right. of interesting, Stephanie, because I have that thought coming in. Some of the stories we're going to talk about are just all so fodder for the water cooler. They're they're distractions. And but it is interesting to put some of this. I never get a chance to talk about some of these crazy stories like this next one, for instance. And this one really irritates me personally as an American who bleeds red, white and blue. This one. Let me just say this. I gave up on Ben and Jerry's a long time ago. And let me just say uh, they opened up a great little ice cream shop. It looks very clever. The Ben and Jerry's. This is well before this incident. I would never consume Ben and Jerry's again in my life, well before this, uh, them stepping into the pile of doo-doo they just did. But boy, I'll tell you what, if you're eating Ben and Jerry's friends or you participate in their stores, well, listen to this story now. So uh, interesting piece that Fox Business had out, Ben and Jerry's gets Bud Light treatment after claiming that July 4th that U.S. sits on stolen in indigenous land. Uh, and the customers are calling for a Bud Light style boycott because we know what happened to Bud Light, clearly. Uh, they, so what they did, Stephanie, they put out here the 4th of July. It's high time we recognize the UX exists on stolen indigenous land and commit to returning it. 
Uh, and this was their celebration for July 4th, for America's Independence Day. They said, ah, the 4th of July. Who doesn't love a good parade, some tasty barbecue, and a stirring fireworks display? The only problem with all that, though, is that it can distract from an essential truth about the nation's birth. The U.S. was founded on stolen indigenous land. What do you say to Ben and Jerry's? Well, I think that the majority of the world population is on stolen land. If we go back historically, you know, do I do I feel bad for the for the Indians? Absolutely. But I think at some point you kind of have to move on, get along, you know, work together. Um, I, I really don't know how how someone has that view. And and quite honestly, I think Ben and Jerry's needs to move if um, if they really feel that way, find themselves some land that has not been taken up by indigenous people. Yeah, because it was actually pointed out the land they are have their place on in Vermont is the same thing. It, it was actually pointed out in the uh, threads of social yeah. media on them, by the way, to your point, Stephanie. Uh, Patricia, I, I'm dying to know what you say about this story. Well, there isn't a single plot of ground anywhere that hasn't been previously occupied by another set of human beings. So that whole argument is absurd on its face. But for them to have used the occasion of our nation's birthday to delegitimize our existence is is the most outrageous thing I can possibly think of them doing, especially given that they have had such success here and have reaped the benefits. Capitalists who reap the benefits of our society and then turn around and try to slam the door on those who would follow by delegitimizing the very the very country the very nation the very system that allowed them such success that is the height of immorality in my book yeah, well it is you know, you know what i love too wow. is that it's been reported that they've already lost 2.5 billion yeah. and at first i thought how yeah. could that possibly be how could it happen so fast? Well, it's because the stockholders, people who own stock in Ben and Jerry's, they're not going to wait for the sales performance to to sink their holdings. They're they're dumping them. So that's that's just dessert. That's excellent points, and you're seeing that across the board. No one wants to follow up Target, Budweiser, and as a matter of fact, Starbucks removed all of their their gay pride stuff out of their stores. I I've not found any. Um, now I was over in Ireland last week. There was some over there, but in the U.S., I've not I've not seen any. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, that's good. That's a success. Uh, I love this just desserts. She ends it with, man, <laughs> I'll tell you what a shot that is, Patricia. Wow. All right. This uh, you both have something to say about this. And, and uh, Stephanie, this one here. All right. As I know you've spoken about this before and written about it, actually, on the network, people will obey future lockdowns. This was, it says, a nudge unit official. This was an interesting little story I've seen with the Epoch Times. Uh, and uh, this was to the point of these totalitarian policies that were obvious o- over the period of the pandemic. Uh, and many people think it was an exercise, a drill, if you will, Stephanie, to get people to do lock and step, uh, whatever the hell it is that they're told to do from the betters, uh, the uh, establishment people. What do you say to that? Absolutely. And I think it was just a test run. And I think we're still seeing some of that play out in society. Um, I have no doubt that new things will come down, that they were just kind of getting a feel as they have in the past. And when they've used other vaccines that have been dangerous, like the H1N1 that killed some people, I I think it's just all kind of seeing how people work and an understanding. And 
you know, they're using so many different methods in order to learn this. And as they put some of the mental health stuff into schools, they're going to further be learning how our, our children operate and how to change their psychology for future generations. I think we're in very dangerous territory. I think I, I wrote somewhere about Cooth coming into the schools within Pennsylvania. And I think California just accepted a deal as well. And they're going to be having 24 hour, um, 24 seven access to mental health services online um, that are out of the control of parents. And um, I, I think this is part of the reason is they are learning and then they're going to be using this information to change the population. Well, it's called human behavior, obviously, and yep. people are paying attention. And right now they're pushing more boosters, more flu shots, more garbage uh, RSV shots on the American people. Mm -hmm. uh, we rail against that every day here on this network with our medical doctors and expert team. Uh, Patricia, but this is something you talk about the psychology of people all the time. This plays mm -hmm. right to that narrative, doesn't it? Yeah, what what they try to tell kids to do is to dismiss all all their reference points. Basically, if we can disable reason, and what that looks like is we we tell people that everything you knew in the past is wrong about our Americans founding or about sex or about boy versus girl. Everything you knew is wrong. Dismiss all your reference points. And that way you have nothing against which to compare the propaganda that we offer you. And if you have nothing to compare, then you're just going to nod and accept it. Which and I think it is have. possible. Yeah, it's, it is possible to to uh, to do that to children, which is entirely abusive. But it's it's not possible to retroactively disable reason with the whole of the population. And now that that I think that we're seeing a cumulative effect here of all of the different things coming at us from all different sources and telling us we cannot stay on the sidelines. And I think given that's the case, we're going to finally see some meaningful pushback. Yeah. What, what you say there, I just made a note, is perfect. Um, a cumulative effect. Uh, you're exactly right. That is, uh, that is the point, I think. Um, and I think you and I even said some time ago, Patricia, that uh, they're going to push too far and do too much. And we, and actually, at one point, we were hoping they did and they would. Uh, mm -hmm. Just In other words, sometimes you have to feel the pain, like smelling salt almost, before you wake the hell up. And right now, everybody's been waiting for the American people to wake up. And maybe this accumulative effect is exactly it, including this next story, which this just really is so stupid. This Mark Zuckerberg, who is like from an alien spaceship on a distant planet somewhere, who has visit visited us and hijacked the technology from those twins at the school. Now he's rich, fat, and happy. Zuckerberg, I'm speaking about. Yeah, that dude. Uh, Facebook, uh, the evil empire, if you will. They now have a new one called Threads, by the way. Like, why bother? I mean, Facebook is so censored and corrupt, it isn't funny. So he's spending $43 million on security, and he gives yet, and he's, there. him and his wife uh, are the biggest supporters of defund the police group. So Patricia, stay with you on this a moment here, because you talk about this defund police all the time, but I mean, I mean, how do you call these people out for this? What do we, how do we, I mean, right now he's got people signing up by the tens of millions on this new piece of crap social media unit he has. You won't find me on there. You don't find yeah. me on Facebook either. What do you say to this? Well, it's just like in third world countries where where basically the police become so corrupt as to be not not useful at all. They're completely dysfunctional. And so all the private entities and all the rich people 
are obliged to hire private security and that replaces law enforcement. So Zuckerberg is doing what what any tin pot third world uh, guy would do. And that is he's uh, I, I want my own private security answerable only to me and not to the law. And uh, and I want to defund the security that that regular normal people would have in in the police department. Yeah. How, how do they get away with this, Stephanie, when it's so blatant in your face, these these better than vow people that speak one thing and do another? You know, I, I think it's divide and conquer. Right. So if we can pit people against each other, if we can if we can make the police look out to be racists that are just going after black people rather than trying to help people in general, then we can achieve that because it's no longer fair. So in the name of fairness, we have to change our structural system. Um, you know, I think these are the methods they're using. And I, I find it very disturbing when you look at uh, what Giuliani did in New York by increasing the police force and crime going down. You know, back in, I think it was the early 80s, you know, crime was really high in New York, or late yeah. 70s. And yeah. it was him who changed those things around. We're mm-hmm. seeing the same thing happen in Philadelphia. There's streets you really cannot walk down because they're so used up by drug dealers, um, people on drugs and everything else. The same in New York. We just had a friend who said, look, don't go to New York City right now. It is too dangerous. He's from New York. He's on Long Island. He said, don't yeah. do it. Um, you know, it's it's bad. And it's because of things like this. And when you're starting to pit each other, you know, it's 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 rich against poor. It's black against white. It is absolutely every divide that they can figure out in order to prevent us from coming together as one and fighting this stuff. Yeah. And, you know, nobody, uh, you know, if you listen to the way you talk right there, Stephanie, and you put it out there, you're, you're right. But the thing is. People have got to wake up and not participate with somebody like this, this Zuckerberg guy who's just feeding off the trough. You're getting rich and happy off of uh, ignorant people who use these mediums as he destroys life for other people. Uh, it's just wrong. It's wrong. And they need to be called out and stopped. But it's this whole thing. It's just like climate alarmism, which we're not going to get into here, but it's the same story. They have the best yachts, the best planes, the best everything, and they sit there. So it's for me this, and for the rest of you that. It's it's communism. It's exactly how this happens. It's the elite and the rest of us. That's what we're talking about. And we're the rest of us, people. That's it. Uh, speaking about the rest of us, uh, Dr. Stephanie Cox, I want to get in here your uh, article that uh, your op-ed that's on uh, America Out Loud. As folks listen to this on uh, Sunday here, food and your health, sick and tired of feeling sick and tired. And a lot of people can relate to this, especially after the last few years. Uh, but uh, give us a, a summary of what that's about, because it hit home. I think I realized what you were talking about here is people are just not aware of what they're putting into their bodies. And we have a real focus on health here at America Out Loud. Tell us about it. Well, I think that most people are walking around assuming that the boxes that they are picking up at the grocery store is food. And what <sighs> they're getting are chemical concoctions that are shared ingredients with other things like your paved roadways. Right. Like we're not getting real food. And the processes that they have used to shorten um, shorten the amount of time it takes to get food to market is really impacting our health. And a very simple example of that would be pectin. 
you know, when you get yogurt and you want the benefit of yogurt with those live cultures, you really have to culture it properly and allow those cultures to thicken the yogurt. But when you put pectin in there, it thickens it prematurely so that they can get it out to market quickly. And then those cultures don't actually have an impact in your gut or help your body in any single way. And so by cheapening the food process in order to get it to market, to get it cheaper for people, we've really have um, basically given them our health. And you have to ask yourself, where do you want to be when you're older? Do you want to be running around playing with your grandchildren? Or do you want to be in a wheelchair with someone feeding you your your oatmeal because you can't chew it because your teeth are out and you and you can't you can't do anything? So we have, you know, simple things that you can do and that's eat whole foods that would literally change the lives of most people in the US. The majority of our diseases stem from our environment. It does not have to do with genetics. And that's what people need to know. Your health can be in your hands. Stop listening to the the FDA, the CDC, the medical doctors who are not awake to what has been happening. Do not listen to the the food companies that are giving you their own research. Literally eat the foods that God has provided us. If you eat those foods, you will feel like a different person within four weeks. I promise. Wow. Wow. It is so vital what you're saying right there. And I want to end on that note right there. And the important point that um, Stephanie makes there to me is that a lot of people make these claims. It's genetic. It's genetic. I hear that all the time from people. And she's so right when she says it's not genetic, friends. A lot of this crap is lifestyle. It's what we're doing. And, you know, I've been on this page for years, as you know. And we all have to make an effort. I've been even telling myself in past days, anytime I go off the path a little bit or I'm not taking the things I need to take, you know, my little conscious kicks in and the little guy comes out on my shoulder and says, Malcolm, you will knock it off. And you <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And I'm at that point now again. So it's a good point to mention to you all as well. Uh, the new part of the platform, AmericaOutloud.shop. Uh, these are all with our great host of doctors and expertise and even the new show with Dr. Brian Artis, Dr. Henry Ely, uh, that you're hearing looking for healing radio, Dr. Janice Smith, Nicolo Burnett on the amazing uh, cast on that show uh, that plays at uh, 11 a.m. Eastern time weekdays. Check that out as well. But all of our doctors our medical doctors, naturopathic doctors, others that are out there trying to build good health. This is a good point. Um, Stephanie's um, a wonderful op-ed. A food in your health, sick and tired of feeling sick and tired. It's on the platform now, friends, to read that today on Sunday on the weekend and and make some changes in your life. She's got a lot of stuff and a lot of great points in that piece. It's definitely worth you um, reading it and then digesting some of the points, not digesting the bad food, mind you. But you're so right. When you can't even read the ingredients on boxes anymore, you come on, people. You have 25 syllable. Wow. What the hell is that? You can't put that in your body. I mean, come on. And yet that's exactly the garbage if it comes out of a box that they're putting in this stuff or fast food garbage. So, hey, we are what we are. Got to take care of our lives and our bodies or we don't have anything beyond that. Um, Remember also what I told you up top of the broadcast. It's now AmericaOutloud.news. Uh, is a rebranding of the network and the platform. Yes, the .com still goes there. It's a redirect, but we will now be known as AmericaOutloud.news because that's the business we're in, folks, is informing the American people about the truth. Hey, listen, thank you. Big thank you here to Dr. Stephanie Cox and Patricia Antone and uh, our guest up front in the broadcast. Uh, this was an awesome conversation today, friends. I hope it leaves you with a jump in your step. And thank you for joining me on the mission here. It's time to get involved and get loud. 
America.